Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dirty Giants podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate the support. We got a really awesome story this week. In fact, it's one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. It's um, Tyler Newby. He tells us the story of his late season um, Arizona bowl. It went over 400 inches. It was crazy weather conditions, just a hard year. It was 2019, so if you guys remember the late season um, in Arizona was really tough that year, but he, he made the most of it, and he got rewarded with an awesome, unreal bowl. And then we talk about um, a, a archery hunt on the Kayabab as well, so we have some good stories on this podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. But before we start, I just want to thank some of our sponsors, Scout to Hunt. Um, they're actually running a photo contest right now um, for sheds. So go ahead and go over to their page and check that out. They have some awesome prizes, and you guys are want to you guys are gonna want to get in on that. And then Scree Gear, I used their camo all last year. They have awesome gear, it kept me kept me warm. And you'll hear in this story how important it is to have good gear to stay out there as long as you possibly can and endure the weather conditions. So I definitely recommend Scree Gear. I used it a whole year or even more before I wanted to get team up with them to make sure that I liked it and, and I, I really like their stuff. And then last but not least we have Ancient Boots. They're a, they're a stalker boot. Uh, they're really good for archery hunts. Early and late season I used it um, in Utah and New Mexico. It's just a really cool, cool deal they got going there. But anyway, let's get down to the stories. We're going to have Tyler Newby. So thanks for tuning in. So thanks for getting on, Tyler. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, let's jump. I'm I'm excited to hear your story. I've heard it's a a pretty awesome story about your your bowl. So maybe we should just jump right into that. That was just just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, 2019. It was a and, it was definitely a crazy hunt. Um, it was kind of a redemption hunt for me, honestly. Uh, it's not the first 400-inch bull I've shot. Really? I shooting, yeah, I shot one in uh, 2017 on an early archery tag, and I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't find him. Oh, shoot. Yeah, so it, it, that one hurt. That one hurt me. So um, flash forward into tw- 2019, and uh, I just had that gut feeling I was going to draw the tag, you know. And uh, so, sure enough, I drew the tag, and I kind of knew of it. Was archery tag? What's that? Was it in the early archery? Is no, that... it was a late rifle. The Ooh, 2017 okay. tag was an early archery tag. Okay, I see. Yeah, so we, we guide a lot of late hunts, and uh, we know of a lot of big bulls where they winter and stuff like that, you know, so... We kind of had an idea of bulls we wanted to look for and try to find from years previous, you know. Right. So as it would happen, we uh, we ended up finding a bull on show camera and in the last part of August. And uh, we, uh, we figured he was probably 365, 370. He had a couple extras, and he just didn't look real – giant you know he, he looked like a really big bull just not quite what we were looking for and okay. 
What's up? I said, that's crazy. That's, that's still a pretty big bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your, he's, a, he's pretty high. <laughs> yeah, and I hate, I feel silly saying that, but <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we had bigger bulls in mind, you know. I mean, we were planning Jeez. on packing in and doing crazy stuff, you know. And, right. Uh, uh, a couple guys from A3 uh, in Arizona had videoed this bull and were hunting him and never never did get him killed he ended up breaking his third off on his left side and uh anyway so a friend of mine darren uh used to work for him uh as an outfitter and uh we started scouting pretty hard uh four or five days before the hunt and um we packed into this spot a couple days before that i had glassed these bulls up 10 miles away as a crow flies and even through a spotter zoomed in 60 power they still look like ants you know right but (laughs) i can still i can still see a frame which blows my mind so we knew we had to go check that bull out you know right that's a frame from 10 10 miles you know you got a big (laughs) you know you know and so uh we ended up riding mules in there and it's it's 13 miles one way and my butt was raw by the time we got there and uh then it's two miles to a glassing spot where we could see into this little hole they were in and uh we got in there and we were picking up bulls and nothing crazy 320 330 kind of bulls and more horns than you could possibly imagine um never did see anything really big um so we rode out of there and uh the next day we kind of took off and uh kind of recovered you know and so the this is two days before the hunt now uh we went out to a rock where we had seen this bull the year before it's just a real pretty 370 kind of uh six point the year before so we knew he was going to be in that elite class that we uh we were kind of looking for and darren had a client yeah darren had a client coming in so we were looking for a bull for him and a bull for me too. So um, we ended up finding the bull in the same spot under the same tree from the year before. Jeez. Yeah, and he was so much bigger. I mean, he's really? maybe a 380, 380 kind of a bull, just giant. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that kind of made my uh, – he he became my my target bull. So, flash forward to opening day, it, I get up about three o'clock in the morning, and it's if anybody knows how the 2019 late hunts went, it was just a whiteout. Nobody could see anything. People were stuck everywhere, and there's two foot of snow on the highways and whatever. So I break the road for a hundred miles trying to get into the, back to where this bull was at. And I get there, and it's an hour before daylight, but it's kind of starting to get that gray light, you know, you can kind of see. And it's so fogged in, just kind of pointless. You know, you can't see 50 yards. Right. So I kind of decided to drop into some low country, try to um, just get below the fog, you know, and try to find something that was less accessible, I guess, (laughs) you know. So, And I got down there, and it was so much rain and fog still it was just kind of pointless so opening day was just a mess 
So <laughs> I uh, I ended up just going home through a different part of the state. It was too bad for me to try to break the road back up. Okay. Yeah, there was there was semis jackknifed in the road and just it was bad. That next uh well that afternoon I decided to load up a can am of Darren's and uh kinda ride into this spot back into where uh we had rode, but from a different angle. Uh-huh. And I left my I left my house probably about two thirty maybe and got all the way over there and there's a river you had to cross and that river was just four foot deep and rolling. <laughs> it was bad. And I, I tried to pull through it, and I sunk the frame in my Dodge. So I decided to unload the... <laughs> it was bad. Uh, I unloaded the Can-Am right there, and uh, I decided to try to start up above the road on the other side. So I went up probably 40 yards and just, I mean, smashed on it. If Darren ever found out what I did to his Can-Am, he'd be so mad at me. <laughs> but <laughs> it was bad. Uh, but I started about 40 yards up above the road on the other side, and I just let it all go, you know. I still ended up 20 yards below the road on the other side. <laughs> Jeez, so you were just like drifting down the river. <laughs> oh, dude, it was bad. It was really bad. I should have never done that, honestly. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> it's a pretty good way to get yourself killed. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I got across the river, and I got back into there, and it's about a three-mile walk to where I wanted to be. And I got in there about a little bit after daylight. I I didn't leave early enough, I don't think. But I got out to this rock, and it's gnarly winds. I mean, 30-mile-an-hour winds. So I find this big rock to kind of hide behind in glass, you know. And I didn't really find much. Uh, Two little raghorns below me, probably 1,000 yards, and it's getting pretty late in the morning. And Darren calls me. He's packed into a different spot uh, with a client, and he, he's having hell. I mean, he's got rained on, snowed on. He, it, it's just bad for everybody, you know. Yeah. And it was horrible. And there's a foot of snow where I was at in some low country. And uh, anyway, it's getting cold, uh, pretty damn cold. So I kind of stand up to stretch, and Darren calls me. And we're kind of talking, and I come around the rock to get some sunlight. And uh, I kind of look down below me about a mile, and uh-huh. I see a bunch of bulls. No so like, way. Darren, I got, oh, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> Darren, I got to go. And so I, I glass these bulls up with my 15s. I didn't have a spotter back then. He did. Um, okay. Yeah, so I could just see a frame on this one bull, and he was – big enough. I mean, as the weather was just horrible and everything else, I didn't think I would find a better bull. So I decided to try to get a better look. I get over there and I took some video of him, but it was so shaky, windy, I couldn't really tell anything about him. I did get yeah. to see like just giant fronts, you know, and pretty good beams. And I didn't know it at the time, but there was probably 30 bulls right there with him, which you don't really Jeez. see a giant bull like that with a bunch of bulls. Yeah. So, I so kind of I was doing at this time. Uh, I'm seeing uh, about 1,500 yards. Okay. So I still had to cut it 
cut the distance pretty pretty drastically. And yeah. as I start dropping down this ridge, it's like giant thick junipers. Uh, as you can't hardly see through it. And the lower you go, it kind of starts opening up into like little grassy parks. Okay. And, uh, I walk. You know, I ended up walking up on this bull um, at like 15 yards. No way. Yeah, and he's got this giant club coming off of, of his uh, left side, and he's just feeding right there in front of me. I took a bunch of video of him. Oh. And uh, so I decided to just kind of blow him out. He was in between me and where I wanted to be, and I figured if I wrapped around to the right, he would blow up and left, you know, kind of upwind. And uh-huh. he didn't do that. He decided to go the only way I didn't want him to go. How close was he to the other bulls, this bull you just came 15 yards from? About 800 yards. Okay. And But it's a giant steep canyon in between us yeah. and uh, them, you know. So he bails okay. off that, that steep face, and he gets all these bulls up. They were bedded at the time. It's later in the morning. And uh, he gets them all up and nervous. So I'm running down the ridge as fast as I can. And like I said, there's just giant thick junipers. I can't get a hole. And so I kind of move underneath this giant juniper, and I'm literally on my knees um, trying to get a range under a juniper. And uh, anyway, I ended up getting a range at 740, and uh-huh. there's nowhere to lay down. There's It's just all wrong, you know? Yeah. So... I just kind of sat cross-legged and I doped up the gun and let her eat, you know. Uh, <laughs> the, bull actually, the bull actually got up and where he was at, there was like a bunch of rock piles and it was like a 10-yard wide steep knife ridge. And uh-huh. he had, when that bull had ran off the hill, he had uh, kind of went off the backside and I thought, hell, it's over, you know. But yeah. um, I think he bluffed himself out, and he had to come back up on top and try to find a new new way around. And so, anyway, he stopped long enough for me to crank one out, and I couldn't tell that I hit him, but I heard it. But at, at that point, you kind of you're worried about rocks or whatever, you know. And so I racked yeah. another one as fast as I could, and. Um, I let it fly again, and I heard the same thing. And by the time I racked the third one and got back in the scope, he was gone, but there was this giant juniper just shaking. So you don't even know. know, (laughs) Did he just run through the tree or what? I I can't see him. So um, (laughs) you know how that goes. It's just so much emotions right there that (laughs) – Right. you're about to lose your mind and cry at the same time. You don't know what just happened. <laughs> uh, so this canyon was so steep, I had to rim it out and uh, basically rappel off this canyon. No way. Uh, oh, it's so bad. Ten-foot bluffs every 30 yards. I mean, it's just horrible. Um, so I get down there, and there's a bunch of bull tracks going over the ridge. and I thought I was on the right track, but I couldn't find any blood or anything like that so i'm like well maybe he was lower you know so i go down another bull track no blood no bull so now i'm starting to think i missed and uh i start going down a little bit more and there's this little grassy bench and i'm like well i remember that dead tree you know 
So I get down there, and there is just a puddle of blood the size of a basketball. Are you serious? At that point, I'm about in tears, you know, and I I walk about two more yards, and I can see the bull laying there, and I knew immediately I was way wrong. This bull was giant. (laughs) Giant. I said 365 on the hill because he had a broken third, but whenever I walked up on him, and he's he's laying down the hill, and so you get that rear view side of it, you know, first. And so you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're like, I walk well, down there. I walk down there, and I didn't know what to think. <laughs> Biggest body bull I have ever seen, hands down. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was the bull um, we had pictures of in August. And oh, I recognized okay. the double. Yeah, the double second on the right side. And I'm like, no freaking way. This bull is way bigger than we thought, way bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it still hadn't hit me. I, I, I was thinking 365, but realistically, I thought he was 385, not broke. So anyway, I, to start the trek out of there was a nightmare. I got the bull hung in a tree, and I packed his head out, and it, Almost killed me. Fighting brush with those horns. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I bet those, those bluffs and everything. That'd be crazy. Oh, it was horrible. Packing a gun and all that. Oh, it's just a nightmare. And you're, you're I are you still by yourself at this point? Oh yeah, yeah, by myself. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> so it, it's kind of not cool because there's no one to celebrate with. You know, it's like. No self-service. It's just horrible. It's a great moment, but no one to share it with at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) So I hit the top of the ridge, and uh, my phone just starts blowing up. And apparently Darren can hear me shooting from four miles away. And he's like, well, how big is he? (laughs) And I'm like, dude, I killed the bull that uh, uh, we had pictures of on truck camera. He's like, the 360 bull? I'm like, he ain't 360. <laughs> how big is he? I'm like, I don't know how big how big this bull is. He's got a bunch of extras, and it's just a big, big bull, you know. And uh, we kind of talked for 30 minutes, and it's starting to get dark at this point. And uh, I sent out a couple pictures, you know. and So I, I am so wore out, it's insane. I still got three miles back to the truck. And... Uh-huh climbing this giant mountain it's um pretty steep there's snow and like i said fighting brush i hit the top of the ridge at about nine o'clock at night and i was so wore out in a t-shirt you know and i had to sit down for a few minutes and i ended up falling asleep <laughs> which no. was not a good idea <laughs> yeah you're screaming out there 10 degrees and oh i feel lucky to wake up <laughs> uh, yeah so i I woke up and i'm like i'm in trouble i gotta drop this head just get out of here and come back you know and i'm only a mile from the truck and it's downhill and i still couldn't do it you know so i ended up coming back it was horrible how how long were you what's that how long were you asleep for probably an hour (laughs) holy cow 
<laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. So you dropped the head. Yeah. And to try to get so, back to the truck. <laughs> yeah, I, I really screwed up that morning because I didn't take any food or water. I was eating snow all day. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> I, I don't plan very good, apparently. <laughs> but I was lucky enough. I got back to the Can Am, and uh, Darren had a bunch of trail mix stashed in the the back compartments, you know. So I'm trying to smash down some trail mix, and it was yeah. bad. My my mouth was all raw because I had I was so dehydrated. Now it's eleven o'clock at night. And I'm wore out, tired. Still got a river to cross, you know. <laughs> so I get all the way back to the truck. That went smooth. The river went down quite a bit. and uh, I come back the next day and grab the head. And What's uh, like leaving a 400-inch bowl on the mountain overnight? Man, like I said, I didn't think he was anywhere close to what he was. Oh, Okay. And, so you uh, you're probably stressed, but you weren't freaking out that he's on the mountain by himself. <laughs> no, yeah. I wasn't worried about it. He yeah. was he was hidden pretty good up in a tree, you know. Okay, okay. But uh, I got him back on the Can Am, and um, I took off, and I hit probably about thirty minutes from my house. I'm still thinking about it, you know. And I'm really wondering at this point how big this bull is. So I start adding it all up on my phone, you know, and. I came out with 392. I'm like, no freaking way. This bull is not 410. No way. And <laughs> so I throw my phone in the floor of the passenger seat. You know, I'm like, there's no way. And uh, one of my best friends is uh, actually Darren's son. And so I take it over to his house, and he his jaw hit the dirt. And uh, Darren's got some 400-inch bulls in his house, so we're, like, kind of comparing, you know. Uh-huh. And, that's when it really started to kick in, you know, and <laughs> it was just insane, insane. So then he ended up going with, once he repaired the time with the trail camera pictures, didn't he go like 415-ish? Yeah, 415 and 6 eighths, and he still got a couple little chips and stuff that uh, you can nitpick all you want, but... <laughs> that is so crazy. And that insane. 2019, that? 2019, the late rifle hunts, well, the late hunts in general were just so hard because of all the snow. So for you to <laughs> kill that bull on that year, that's pretty, oh, just, that's incredible. It was definitely incredible. So what kind of, to keep you, I mean, because you're you're fighting snow, you're fighting fog, cold weather. What what kind of gear did you have to to be able to keep you out there? Um, I, I usually run just Sitka gear. Um, we get a great mm-hmm. discount on it, being guides. And at the end of the day, it's no more expensive to go buy good gear like like Sitka or Kuyu if if uh, you get a good discount. It's definitely worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean that's. It sounded like you had to endure quite a bit to be able to stick it out there. I don't know if that many people would be able to do what you did, so that that's pretty incredible. And then um, as far as optics, you said you didn't have a trail camera then, but what what, what do you kind of run now? I mean, uh, spotting scope then. 
Yeah. Uh, I I now have a bunch of Swarovski stuff. Okay. Uh, I run 15s, and I've got a ATX spotter. Have you have you found the quality glass makes quite a big difference? You know, I, I used to run a Vortex when I was younger, and no. I upgraded uh, Swarovski, and it was a night and day kind of a deal. Um, your eyes don't get tired. You can glass longer, um, especially with, like, tens and stuff like that. The clarity is just unmatched. So I'm trying to pick you, through trees or whatever. Yeah, that that makes sense. So are you running, like, are you mostly 15s on your tripod, or do you use your 10s a lot, too, on tripods and stuff? Uh, I run 15s on a tripod, but I always have my 10s on my chest. Okay, and then your BTX for longer range stuff. Yeah, my ATX. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. And then a few other questions I had. So, um, with your story is, so when you're hunting and it's and it's windy a lot of times, are you finding like there's certain they try and get out of the wind based on like certain slopes? Is that kind of what you're looking for? like lay of the land or well like hunting deer and hunting elk are two different things um deer don't like wind as much as anything i mean i hate the wind too but elk elk don't seem to care if it's rainy snowy anything but they get cold too so on uh days like that where the sun comes out they're going to want to hit a south slope and try to soak a, a little bit of heat up and they'll probably go bed back on uh, the top of a ridge or in a north, north hillside. Okay. So a lot of situational type of stuff. Um, weather's definitely a big deal. If you, if it's hot, you're going to want to look into north hillsides a little bit more. Well, yeah, that's a good tip to that. So elk usually probably don't care as much about weather as as the as the deer would. No, they don't. Yeah, okay. And then as far as, I guess, Eric, so you you guide in Arizona and New Mexico. Um, It sounds like those those late season uh, elk hunts, is there there real trophy potential or do you think you kind of got lucky? I know they're broke a lot of the times, but is it, if you don't have those max points and you just want to get out and hunt elk, you think, they're worth looking into, or do you have to put quite a bit of time in to make them worth their while? Um, the units I'm in are kind of going downhill. Um, there's a lot. There's way too many tags, in my opinion, especially okay. on that late rifle hunt. But um, there's still a high-quality bull every now and then. Um, I think it's more about expectations and reality, you know. Um, if you want to kill a 340, 350 kind of a bull, you can do it, but you're going to work for it. Right. Um, okay. If you just plan on shooting a bull, you can do that very easily. Huh. That's good to know. Um, and then let's, if you're good with it, let's move kind of to deer a little bit. I noticed that you helped on a 200-inch uh, was it 200 inch typical on the Kyabab? Yeah, that was a fun, crazy hunt too. Do you mind sharing that story? That, that looked like an awesome buck. 
Um, so my buddy Nelson and Billy, uh, Billy's Nelson's son, <clears throat> um, Billy had to go and work for a couple of days. So Nelson had called me to go with him up to the Kaibab. And uh-huh. so we get up there and um, if you know the Kaibab at all, you know, it's pretty thick jack pines, a lot of it, or it was before it burned. And right. so what we did was we didn't know the Kaibab. I've been up there one time prior to that, but uh, we didn't know it. So we kind of just drove around at night and tried to find where the density of deer were. And uh, so that next day we kind of, we found a bunch of deer in the dark, you know? And so um, uh-huh. we started kind of still hunting through a bunch of the country, you know, and um, sooner or later we figured out that we were on the wrong side of where these deer were at. They had just crossed the road and uh, had gone back uh, earlier in the morning. So we started still hunting the other side and we hit a ridge and we hadn't seen a deer. I mean, it was slow, slow, slow. It was so hot. And, um, Nelson happened to look down this, through this thick little, uh, lane and caught a front fork off of a buck. And it happened to be like a 185 kind of a typical. Uh-huh. And so that now we're in kill mode. You know, I, I sat down and he creeped up. The buck was probably a hundred yards from me and, uh, he's creeping down and the buck gets up and walks into a little opening before he could get a shot and, uh, lays down behind this big rock. So he's kind of just camped on him. He's at 60 yards or so. And the wind is coming uphill, you know. It's it's good. But what we didn't know is there was a couple bucks bedded to the right in this little draw. And they start blowing. They smelled us. And, okay. Uh, so this buck, the buck he ended up shooting, comes walking out. And he's walking <laughs> right to me. He walks to like 18 yards of me. And I'm trying to throw, throw oh, pine yeah. cones. And I'm trying to get his attention for the life of me, I couldn't do it. And, and anyway, the bucks. Yards from you. So how far is he from the hunter? 60 yards. Okay. Yeah. And so the buck kind of spooks up the hill a little bit and the bucks that he was originally trying to kill, they took off. And so he stood up, turned around and sees the buck and the buck just runs to the top of the hill and turns broadside and he never ranged or anything, just kind of guessed. And, uh, let it fly and hit the buck a little high, and he dropped him in his tracks. And Jeez. at the time, I thought, the, on the hoof, I thought that deer was 185. Um, the deer up there, we're used to 175-pound deer down here, 200-pound deer, maybe, if that, you know. And so up there on the Kaibab, their bodies are just so much bigger. And when we walked up on this buck, I knew immediately he was just way bigger. Jeez. And then he ended up being, well, just over 200, right? Yeah, gross 204. Jeez. And he was a straight typical, pretty much? Yeah, yep, straight typical. Jeez. So what are some things that you kind of learned on that hunt? I mean, obviously you guys put in <laughs> the effort, probably stayed up all night finding deer density areas. That's a good good tip to quickly learn a unit <laughs> yeah um like i said i don't know the kaibab all that much but with deer it's i used to be a lot more into mule deer than i am now but uh just find the feed um a lot of that kaibab before it had burned was a lot of just like i said jack pines and either knee-high grass or it was 
pretty bare, you know, so just find the feed and work the wind as best you can. Yeah. So would you say elk are kind of your thing now after? <laughs> I missed a big buck a long time ago, and uh, I missed him five times in three weeks with my bow, and it kinda, <laughs> I kind of walked away from mule deer after that for a while. <laughs> How big <laughs> yeah, was so, uh, it's a 200-inch four-point. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, just a giant buck. So, and then let's kind of change subjects again real quick. Um, it looks like Arizona draw results for elk and antelope should come out any day. Have you heard anything on that? From what I understand, they started hitting cards, and their system crashed or something like that had happened, and... Um, I guess they sent out an email, um, I'm not sure when, but I heard about it, that said there's no reason to be checking portal accounts or something like that. I, I'm not real sure what, what's going oh, on there okay. yet. I'm you, sure we'll, you we'll have draw this year. Or the, do you have, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If I draw, it'll be a lucky horseshoe, and I'm sure I'll, oh, I'll okay. get a lot of criticism over it. <laughs> <laughs> what does your 2021 season kind of look like? I guess um, it's too early to tell, but oh uh, yeah, it's too early to tell. Um, it sounds like I'm gonna pick up a lot of hunts in New Mexico this year, and uh, might even get to learn some new country and hunt some different animals. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, as far as Arizona goes, I probably won't get to spend too much time in Arizona this year. Okay. So how long have you been guiding in New Mexico? Is that recent? Uh, this will be my sixth year. Oh, okay. And do you do all species, or do you specialize in elk, you personally? Uh, personally, I'm more of an elk deer kind of a guy, but uh, we've started um, hunting Barbary sheep a little bit. I'm really starting to enjoy that. That's a lot of fun. As they call it, a poor man's sheep hunt. It's it's a blast. It's an absolute blast. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I've I hunted uh, New Mexico deer last year, the late archery, and then I've hunted elk there a couple times. Got on some big bulls, but <laughs> I couldn't make it happen. <laughs> I think elk are getting smarter than they used to be for sure. They have to. Are you, are you doing those uh, the early hunts there more? Or? just a little bit of everything as far as elk? I do a lot of everything. Okay. Early archery hunts all the way through the late hunts. Okay. Perfect. So, um, and then just a couple other quick questions. So, I guess recently we've got a little bit more moisture, but it, it seemed like it's been pretty dry. you think the elk are going to be a little below average this year as far as, like, Arizona? Or you think? Um, I think we've got enough snow, but we need a couple more s storms to kind of keep it around. Um, with this burn that's gone through, um, the sun can hit it more now, and so it doesn't stick around as long as it used to. So we oh. definitely need more storms. But um, I think as far as we're sitting right now, I think we're good. Um, we just need a good monsoon this year for sure. Yeah help them finish out a little bit. 
Well, I appreciate you getting on and telling your stories. Your your bull is incredible. I'll have to get some pictures to to post them so people can see. But it wow. that's a once in a lifetime bull for sure. But I guess maybe not for you if you've already. <laughs> hopefully, you get another chance at a four hundred incher. But that, that's cool. It's an incredible story. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, is there any any other thing you want to any last advice or anything you want to say before we end it? Um, I think uh, angles are a major part of glassing. Um, if you're glassing in a spot for a couple hours and don't see much, moving a hundred yards down the ridge and and getting a different angle can definitely change change the outcome of your day. That's every time that's you good. every time you move, it just you see different things. You know, some might be behind a tree where you were, and now you can see part of a tine or whatever it may be. How often do you typically move? So, are you glassing for like ten minutes and then moving just a little bit, and, or? Um, it depends on what I'm seeing. If I'm seeing a lot of game, it's just a matter of time before I find something, or. Okay. Um, if if I don't see much, then I'll I might move pretty drastically a mile or two up the canyon or down the canyon, whatever it is, trying to find where the deer or elk are at. Yeah, are you as far as I guess deer and elk? Are I guess it, a lot of it probably depends on the location. But are you glassing from like a mile away or like five plus miles, or if you're just um, looking? It, it's generally just situational on where I'm at. Um, a lot of times I'm looking a mile. All right. Perfect. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a good tip because a lot of people always ask if it's, they scoot back to five plus miles, but it probably just depends on the terrain a lot too, what, what you can get away with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sweet. And then just before we end, so, you obviously guide for A3 New Mexico and then a little bit for um, just A3 there in um, Arizona. Is there a way that people can contact you? Because New Mexico, you can apply with a guide through the guide draw too. Would they just contact um, um, uh Look at the website. Um, I believe it's huntingnewmexico.com um, is the A3 New Mexico's page. I, I believe, I'm not sure about that, but um, A3 New Mexico has a Instagram page. You can go through that um, or you can message me and I, I can get you in contact with whoever you need to talk to. Perfect. Is that how you get a, most of your clients is through that guide draw or? Um, a lot of the time, yeah. Um, yeah. We do a lot of landowner permits and stuff like that too. Um, we do a lot of return clients. Sweet. Well, I appreciate it again. That <laughs> those are some great stories. That was an awesome story about your bull too. I'm I'm glad I got to hear it. I've heard heard about it a lot, but I'm glad I got to hear it firsthand from you. So that I appreciate you getting on again. I appreciate it. Sweet. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No <laughs>